Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. All of our families are unique, right? Unique also with their own unique dysfunction and problems. Uh, as, as, as long as there's sin in this world and sinners, you and me, there will be dysfunction and problems. But one of the things that's beautiful is that when God calls us saints and calls us into his kingdom through, through the word of God, through the means of grace, the, the gospel and word and sacrament, baptism, uh, something happens. God doesn't just change our priorities or our way of life or our choices. He changes us. God changes you. And he makes us something different. He brings us more and more out of the dysfunction to discipleship and following him. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a man named Philemon. And tonight we're going to go through the whole, a whole book of the Bible, the book of Philemon. And he's talking to a man who really had to be a changed man to understand what Paul was writing to him. And we as changed people will understand it as well, that the kingdom of grace grows in human hearts. Philemon 1-7, to Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home, grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. This is God's word. Paul preached for two years in the city of Ephesus, and the city of Colossae is about 100 miles to the east of the city of Ephesus. So no doubt, believers who are converted and, and God had changed hearts through the preaching of that gospel message and, and the baptism and, and their celebration of the Lord's Supper, that gospel message continued in those hearts as they went to Colossae. Epaphras being one of the main people to do that. And as that message went through Epaphras, and I'm sure others who preached in Colossae and shared that message, God changed more hearts. He changed the heart of a man named Philemon and his probably wife, Aphia, and as we think of Archippus, probably their adult son, and also we think maybe a, an elder in the church, if not one of the pastors serving. And not only this, but the love that had grown there, the grace of God that had grown in their hearts was, was overflowing, and in their words and actions and their love for all the saints, a church even met in their home. How many of you have handwritten a letter in the last year? A few of you. How, and I'm not just talking about like a card and you sign your name in like one line, like a whole letter. Okay, half of you dropped out, but that's okay. Um, how many of you have written, written 10 letters? Okay, wow, really dropped off there. Um, but when you write a letter, even today it carries that significance of compassion, that you care, you took the time to, to use your own hand and write this with your own pen or pencil, maybe even picked out the stationery. Um, the Apostle Paul wrote letters from prison as he was imprisoned in Rome because he cared and he loved these people. 
And not only that, but Paul had an edge on us. His words were inspired. And God wanted those people who received that letter first to know exactly that these things were true and were God's word, and also us, centuries later, that they still are God's word. And while we're not in that immediate context, they still have bearing on what we do, how we see things, and what God has to say to us, and applying it to our lives. The kingdom of grace grows in human hearts. Paul gave thanks that the kingdom of grace had grown in Philemon's heart, in Aphia's heart, in Archippus' heart, in the church that met in their home, and he gave thanks that their love was overflowing and this refreshed his heart. He sends to them grace. How do we define grace? God's undeserved love. Some would call it the favor of God, that God chose to pour out love that we didn't deserve. And in place of punishment which we deserved, he poured out his love and forgiveness. Peace, the end of the battle, right? And not just, you know, maybe a physical battle, but really true peace is end of the battle between us and God. We don't have to wonder, does God love us or does God hate us? Because sometimes in life we feel like God hates us. We know how sinful we are. And sometimes we think God loves us, but maybe for the wrong reasons. But if we ever have any doubt about it, just hold up your hands. Hold up both hands. Humor me. Hold up your hands, please. Thank you. All right. Do this. Touch one. Touch the other. If you ever doubt if God loves you or how he feels towards you, those nail-marked hands of our Savior Jesus, his body still bears those nail-marked hands as he rules and reigns at the right hand of God. You are at peace with God. You can put your hands down. Um, so we have grace and peace. And when you hear that somebody's faith is overflowing or, or some Christian is active in their faith and either sharing it or doing some service, it refreshes you, doesn't it? I mean, last week we watched the Wells Connection, saw once again the wonderful things that are going around in our sin and around in the world, and we're sharing um, the message of, of grace and forgiveness with others as well as serving you know this joy if you've ever been served by someone else letting their faith shine in, in what they say to you or what they do for you or even better, if you've gotten to help others. Paul says this refreshes our hearts. Is it more fun to hear about a basketball game or is it more fun to play a basketball game? Now some of you don't care about basketball but insert whatever sport you like. Obviously it's more fun to play. It's more fun to be involved in it, to be active in it. Also, um, is it more fun to watch someone play at recess or to be a kid playing at recess. It's more fun to play. And it refreshes our hearts as well as the hearts of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because we see that faith that God has planted, God had given, active in human hearts. And we praise God. The kingdom of grace changes hearts to live in love. Philemon 8 to 21. Paul writes, Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. 
Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was so that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dear to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. This is God's word. The right reference makes a difference, doesn't it? If you're just, whether it's applying for a job or, or applying to get into a school or applying to get into the Air Force Academy or applying to get a big home loan or a loan of some sort, something where you need credibility, something where you need someone to vouch for you, the reference makes all the difference. It did for Onesimus and it does for you and for me. The kingdom of grace changes hearts to live in love. God makes us useful, doesn't he? Left to ourselves by our sinful nature, we could navigate this life. Lots of people do. But everything we do would really be with a narcissistic or self-serving, selfish bend and tinge to it. We would never truly know what love is and we would never truly know what service is. We could do good things for others, but it always would have some benefit to us or some perceived pleasure or benefit, a side benefit, at least for us. But God makes us useful. He turns us, he changes us to know what love is and to know what service is. Just look at Onesimus. Onesimus was a slave and a runaway slave at that. It was under Roman rule, so maybe he had been a prisoner of war and became a slave that way, or he had had some great debt that he couldn't pay, and now he was kind of an indentured servant, or maybe it was some other form of slavery. But, but he was a slave nonetheless, and there were laws in the Roman government that governed that, and he illegally ran away. Maybe he thought to himself, you know what, this is a raw deal. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be a slave. Nobody deserves to be a slave. So I'm just going to take what's mine, what I think I deserve, or steal it, and I'm going to go... And he did. He ran away, and he ran all the way to Rome. And if he ever came back or was brought back, Philemon had every right to punish him or worse. God doesn't treat us as slaves, does he? In fact, he treats us as his children. But have you ever thought of God kind of as a slave master or someone who's hard and unloving to you? I have. How often in my youth, even now, do I think sometimes, you know what, God doesn't want me to have any fun. Because he said, don't do this, do that. Or I thought, you know what, God, um, you know, I, why do you always make it so difficult to follow your will and your commands in this world? It's like you set me up to be a sitting duck, a target, if I follow your will. Will I have any friends left if I do what your word says I should do or think the way you say I should think? Or am I just going to be this target of ridicule or worse? Do we ever think like that? Quite a bit. 
whether we formulate those words or not. And, and then in boldness, we say, you know what, I'm just going to do what I think is right. I'm going to do what I think or I feel strongly I should do. And we trust our feelings and we, and we tr- go with our gut, even though it's telling us to do something against God's word, and we go and do it. Taking the great freedom we have in our Savior and in our God who loves us and loved us enough to give us good commands for us and for society, and we trade it in to become slaves of sin, to shackle ourselves with guilt and and then to have to lie to get out of it or sin some more or go down that path and learn the hard way. Yeah. It's not just me. I think that's you too. And we overlook what's behind all God's commands, what's behind his word, and we forget his promises, and we don't want to wait on them. We, we have such little trust in God's way and God's will, and we forget the love that stands behind all of it. From conception to casket, we're sinners. We were born enemies of God, and God was gracious enough to bring us into his family, to reveal his will to us through his word, and to love us. But yet so often we've turned away, and so often we've acted more like the sinner we are rather than the saint God calls us. And we realize we deserve God's wrath and punishment now and for eternity in hell. But yet here we are in God's house, exposed, no excuses. What will God do with us? There Onesimus was, in Philemon's house, exposed, with no excuses. What would Philemon do with him? Tychicus. Let's say it together. Tychicus. One more time. Tychicus brought the letter from Rome with Onesimus and the others in that group all the way to Colossae and no doubt to Philemon's house. And he hands it to Philemon. You can maybe visualize this or imagine what it must have been like. We don't know exactly how it went down, but we know Philemon got this letter and he reads this. Talk about a reference. Paul writes regarding Onesimus. He says to Philemon, if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Basically saying, Philemon, if you want justice or if you want to mete out your anger on Onesimus for all that he did, and he did awful stuff, ran away for sure, maybe even stole some stuff, so lost time, lost you know, heartache, pain, you know, and that doesn't look good if there were other slaves, that one ran away and nothing happened. And so Philemon had every right to punish him. Philemon had every right to maybe even do worse with him. But then there's Paul's reference. If he owes you anything, charge it to me. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? You and I stand there, here, exposed in our sin and our sinfulness. No more hiding, no more excuses. And we know what we deserve, but yet Jesus says, if, Father, if they owe you anything, 
charge it to me. And we owe. The wages of sin is death. Not just death here, but death eternally. And God charged him, didn't he? Had him put on a cross. Had him suffer the pangs of hell for each and every sin we've committed, even every failure, the ones we know and the ones we don't know. And he paid for it in full. So that you and I don't have to pay it. And then you hear the words echo. Now welcome them as you would welcome me. And the Father does. God the Father raised his son from the dead with power and authority on the third day, on, on Easter Sunday, on that, that festival of first fruits, as to say to us, I welcome you now as I welcome my own son, my own daughter, because that is what you are. Forgiven, freed from the shackles of, of sin and slavery to sin and guilt and shame, set free, and I look at you as my own beautiful son and daughter. Forgiven people are changed people. They do strange things. Runaway slaves go back, and they're forgiven, and they're seen as brothers rather than as slaves. Slave owners look upon a runaway slave and forgive them and don't hold them accountable to, to their sin, but, but they forgive them and they let it go and they welcome them as a brother. And then they send them freely out to go and serve someone else rather than their own needs. Forgiven people are changed people. What would cause this? What would cause Philemon to do this for Paul and, and for Onesimus? Was it a command or... Or a stranglehold? No, it was love. Love that, that had Paul look upon this slave as, as his own son, as, who says about him, he is my very heart. Why do we change? Why do we follow God's will? Why do we look at his commands anew and say, no, this is for my good. I want to do this. I want to run in this. Is it, is it God barreling down on us and saying, do this or else? No. It's because God has looked at us and said, you are my very heart. The kingdom of grace changes lives to live in love and serve. Amen. The kingdom of grace brings unity both now and forever. Philemon 22 to 25. And one thing more. Prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Damas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. This is God's word. After a year or two hiatus, my brother... <clears throat> invited, pressured me to begin lifting weights again. It's not pretty. And we're not doing it for very much, just 20, 25 minutes of lifting a little bit and my muscles ache, I'm sore, can barely move, and it's only been like three or four days out of this week. But what's really happening 
you've worked out or you've had to rehab, you realize that even though it's slow going sometimes and painful, or you go for a run, you think you're going to die, but, but you think you just only have so much energy, and once that's gone, it's gone, you'll be wrecked for the day. But what you find is, actually, it helps you. Your lung capacity kind of increases. Your, your muscles are actually growing, even though they're hurting, and, and you're being strengthened to have more energy and more strength. Or at least that's what I'm promised right now. No, we know that's how it goes. That's why we do rehab. That's why we do all those things. Not only is that with your muscles and your physical health, but also with your faith and the exercise of your faith and the love. As the kingdom of grace grows in human hearts, as the kingdom of grace helps you to and grows you to live in love, the kingdom of grace also builds unity both now and forever the Apostle Paul was asking some pretty big things of Philemon, wasn't he? You think, wow, if Philemon said okay, he was just going to be mad at the Apostle Paul for... Not at all. In fact, the Apostle Paul knows and is convinced that Philemon will do all these things and he will see Onesimus coming back to him, except it'll be wonderfully different. The relationship that was broken and awful between Philemon and Onesimus will be healed. Paul, in good conscience, can accept this help from Onesimus, who was helping him before, but knowing that it's not under, you know, the, the under, under cover or secretively as though it's behind Philemon's back. It's with Philemon's full heart engaged and saying, no, do this. I want Onesimus to help you to be my hands while you're away from me. And Paul says, prepare a guest room for me. When this faith, when this love in service is exercised among Christians, it actually builds our unity both now and forever. As we are asked to, to carry our crosses and to bear with one another in love, to forgive, to let go of the grudges, to care for one another, to serve one another, to, to expend ourselves to exhaustion for one another in love, we might think, well, then everyone's going to hate us or no one will love us or they're just going to get sick of us. No. It actually builds the unity and it builds up each one of us as we carry our crosses, as we do the tough things and the hard things that God has called us to do, and as we love even when not feeling it, or to trust even when all of our feelings say the opposite, and to let God's word and promises command us and command our will, our thoughts, and our emotions, even when everything is telling us the opposite. That grows us, matures us to serve and to be of use brings us from dysfunction to discipleship and it builds our unity. Paul says Epiphras sends his greetings. Probably Philemon's first pastor, at least first evangelist that shares God's word with him. Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke. Now Mark and Luke you recognize. Mark who wrote the Gospel of Mark. Luke who, who wrote the Gospel of Luke and also the book of Acts. They send their greetings. They're your brothers in the faith. And Aristarchus and Demas... I don't know. But Philemon probably knew. But they were brothers in Christ. And so also through faith, through this gift of grace in our hearts, we too are their brothers and sisters in Christ. And they ours. It builds the unity, both now and forever. Paul closes his letter to Philemon with the source of strength and the source of that unity. And so we close ours tonight. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen.